0: the search to find that song was equally as important as the direct impact it has on me. I mean, that song alone got me into finding out about so many other bands to this day that I adore, solely because I was trying to find that one song, because I knew it existed.
1: Welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David, and of course my friend, is Aaron. This week's episode, we are continuing our Discovering Summer series with my interview with Austin Stemper of the band Praise. They're a hardcore band from the Baltimore area with callbacks to the DC hardcore and post-hardcore sounds of the mid to late 80s, some 90s influences in there as well. Uh, If you're unfamiliar with this band, you've probably actually heard them at least a couple of times if you've listened to any of our Radio Radio episodes, because I've been pushing them for a couple of months now. And uh, in this episode, Austin shares some of the music that inspired him, as well as some of his favorite praise songs, which I realize now that phrasing makes it sound like... We're talking about church music, which actually does come up in the interview with a band named Praise. It's bound to, right? Uh, but including a couple of their latest, off of their latest record, All in a Dream, which was released earlier this year on Revelation Records. Before we get into it, go follow us on social media, at Growing Punk Pod. You'll find our personal Twitters and Instagrams there as well. We've got a Patreon. If you want to throw some support our way, just a couple bucks a month. Uh, we've got merch as well. All of those things are uh, they're linked in the show notes. I was going to say located in the show notes. Linked in the show notes as well as in the bios of our social media. And, uh, of course, wherever you listen to the podcast, rate it, review it, tell your friends about the show. Uh, help us grow the show a little bit more. Anyway, let's get down to it. Let's not waste any more time. This is my interview with Austin Stemper of Praise. So i like to start kind of like, I guess you could say at the beginning. Do you remember the first band or song or, you know, whatever it was that kind of introduced you to the world of, of punk and hardcore and what got you going in that direction?
0: Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I want to say it must have been around. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, any, like, indirect sources like movie soundtracks or commercials or whatever since I got into um, I kind of came of age around that time like the mid 90s which as right, like 94 was when everything exploded so it it virtually was everywhere but I do remember like one of the first times I ever heard anything subversive that really caught my ear was it must have been around 1995 um, 95 96 it was just a girl by no doubt okay um, yeah yeah and i i must have either seen the music video at the time or whatever it was but just you know super 90s music video style of like i don't know if it was quite fisheye but like very right. in your face very yeah. colorful yeah um and then just the repetitive guitar riff the, the the cutting through of gwen Stefani's vocals like just the frequency amidst all of the to my ears the chaos what was going on with like right. mid-paced rock song it was just such a it was just such a a blast to my young ears because I, I grew up um i grew up in a household with uh a lot of like christian radio contemporary christian radio sure, played yeah. a lot. yeah it was kind of like my <laughs> my parents i don't know if they're trying to like indoctrinate me, uh, I'd say my sister, but my sister's actually deaf, so I think it was mostly right. focused on focus okay. on me, yeah. <laughs> to keep me like to kind of get me off on the right path yeah. or on the right foot. And even that, like, there would be like, you know, some some rock type stuff, but yeah. it wasn't until like, yeah, hearing No Doubt, um, and then hearing the Foo Fighters as well, hearing sure, Everlong yeah. on the radio, like those two yeah. songs in particular, um, and I guess the visuals as well. Like seeing the videos of those, they really. Kind of started to reel me in, um, yeah. and then from there, I think the natural progression from like, if I if No Doubt caught my interest, then then it was kind of just paying more attention to whatever was on MTV or the radio. Then it's like you hear Blink One Eighty Two comes a couple mm-hmm. years later with um, Damn It on Dude Ranch, it's getting tons of MTV play. Um, Green Day as well, actually, um, around the same time I heard No Doubt too. Green Day was on the radio and. So that actually, I I can confirm with total validity that the first piece of media that I own that I would consider punk would be Green Day's Dookie. Um, Sure, yeah. uh, I ordered it from a... uh, So there was like a neighborhood kid group across the street from me who was a couple years older, total latchkey kid. His sister was just like a textbook definition Gen Xer, like 17 in 1994, smoking cigarettes. Mom wasn't around really. So the older sister was kind of raising... This kid, my my mm-hmm. friend, and his middle sister. Um, so through osmosis of his older sister, I was kind of hearing like again like Foo Fighters, no doubt, Green Day. And actually, my parents got that. You remember? Do you remember the Columbia Clearinghouse or the, the yeah. Columbia CD Club yeah. or whatever? Yeah. yeah. Um, they were like, all right, like you know, you, you we kind of trust you. You've kind of you've been listening to MTV, whatever. Like you can order two or three CDs or whatever from this thing. And if you find a little stamp on the sheet. Yeah. Um, so I found Dookie and I, that was nice. like my, my order and uh, it wasn't censored whatsoever. So I, I got it. I was familiar with, um, had to have I think that was the song I heard on the yeah. radio. Yeah. Uh, the song basket case comes on. I'm listening to it in my room. And this line where, uh, it goes like, I went to a whore. He said, my life's a bore. Um, or went to a shrink to analyze my dream. She said, yeah. it's the lack of sex keeping me down. Went to a whore. He said, my life's a bore. My mom heard that, <laughs> Oh, like swung my door open and was like, what, did, what was that? And then I, I played it back. <laughs> she took the CD and she said, you're not getting this back until you turn 18. I was nine <laughs> at the time. Oh, man. Uh, and <laughs> To this day, she's never given it back to me. So oh, I hold not, it over her head whenever I, whenever I see her, I'm like, mom, where's my Green Day CD? That's hilarious.
1: I have a similar kind of story actually. So I, in a, in a minute I want, I'm curious to hear about, uh, you know, you're being raised on Christian contemporary radio because I, mm-hmm. I grew up in a similar, you know, kind of house. And, um, I actually one time I'd gone to visit my grandparents in the summer. And when I was on this trip, like my parents, they didn't come. Right. So, uh, I uh, I bought a copy of Get a Grip by Aerosmith on cassette. Okay. And um, so this was before I kind of, I would have been probably maybe in the fifth grade or whatever. So I didn't start getting into punk like more. So, like, I mean, I was aware, obviously, like Green Day and stuff, the stuff that was on the radio, but I didn't mm-hmm. start like buying it and pursuing it until I was probably, you know, in junior high or whatever. So Aerosmith Get a Grip was this tape I brought home. It was like summer of, summer after fifth grade or before fifth grade, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I get home with it from my trip and my mom is like, what is this? Uh, obviously she was aware who Aerosmith was. She grew up on 70s rock and stuff, but she had, you know, she had had a, uh, um, she had been converted as it were, however you want to word it. Right. Sure. So she's like, she's like, nope, this isn't in my house. Cause I think there was one song on it maybe that said shit in it. She's like, nope, not having it. So she yeah. chucked it out. Well, fast <laughs> fast forward years later because I've shared that story a few times on on this podcast or other podcasts, and uh, she heard it one time me sharing this story. So uh-huh. next thing you know, a couple weeks later, in the mail, I get a copy on CD of Aerosmith "Get a Grip," and like my mom's got like a post it note on it. She's like, "Sorry for taking this, whatever," like just an apology sort of thing. So I thought it was absolutely hilarious that uh, she eventually did give it back to me, even though by that point in time, I was kind of like. All right, I don't really want to listen to this. Like <laughs> this isn't what I'm what I'm into now, but um Oh man. <laughs> so funny. I love that I love that your mom said she'd give it back to you when you turned eighteen and she still got it. So or not well, necessarily she still got it. She hasn't given it to you, but um, I'm hoping
0: it- She's hanging it, on to it. <laughs> it's yeah. It's it, it's lost, but yeah. what 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 is lost ultimately will be found unless she threw it away. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think we may have spoken something into into being there, David. I hope my mom, <laughs> uh, if she's savvy enough to open up the podcast app on, yeah. on her phone, yeah, um, or there through friends of friends who see my name or, or whatever, yeah. um, maybe she'll hear this and then I'll get a package in the mail. So yeah. Dukey will crossed. arrive on
1: your doorstep. That'd be amazing. Um, <laughs> Finally, the, the CD, hopefully not <laughs> yeah, the actual. Yeah, DVD. right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but I was going to ask back to, you know, being raised on Christian contemporary radio where they like, cause I mean, I look back on that time, especially cause you're talking, I guess, probably
0: like early to mid nineties. Is that what you're? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah totally. So.
0: Like Michael Card, okay. uh, news boys, yeah, uh, Amy, <laughs> A- Amy Grant, although I think she, w- she had maybe pivoted to like the more secular, yeah, yeah. uh, baby, baby, yeah. uh, route at that point. But yeah, yeah we're, talk- we're talking, we're talking <laughs> Hard line contemporary Christian That's awesome. like uh DC talk. You know what
1: yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Uh was DC talk ripping off Nirvana yet at that point? Because like when, mm. when Jesus Freak came out, I remember like hearing that and going, like, oh, this is that Nirvana riff. Like <laughs> by that point oh. I was I was aware enough that I'm like, oh, they're like Nirvana was huge you know like obviously Nevermind was what 91 I think so yeah. it had been a few years but they're like let's do a song that sounds like that a little grungier but grunge had already done its thing which was pretty like typical I feel for Christian contemporary music especially at that time where it was like something that worked or was big a few years ago mm-hmm. was now being used you know a couple years later or whatever but yeah
0: well yeah. that's that's funny because I, I do remember DC Talk Uh I never got like Always, it would always be radio. We'd hardly ever buy CDs. Um, yeah. Right, I guess. I guess it was CDs at that point. It, it More or less, were tapes up until a certain yeah. point. But uh, I remember the the song it was like "Jesus is Just All Right." Oh yeah, which yeah. is a. I guess that's a cover of like a '70s song. Yeah, it's but a. They, it's a. It's a kind of cover of the Doobie Brothers. Okay, so Doobie Brothers. So yeah. so they they modernized it, gave it like a facelift, and yeah. that was one of the first times that like it kind of. I, I kind of was noticing. It's like oh so contemporary christian like it's not all just like s- synthesizers and like right, orchestral yeah. like this weird uh, yeah. ethereal sounding like background vocals they can actually kind of sound like like going to the rate to the um to our local roller roller rink or whatever like yeah or ch- church nights that there were yeah um it's like that could play in a roller brink and it would get people's heads bopping so it's like right, oh this yeah. is like this is kind of like yeah like you said they're, they're kind of doing something that sounds like MC Hammer but yeah. they're like 2 years late yeah. behind it <laughs> so yeah um yeah, yeah that's so that, that's interesting i mean whatever they can do i guess to like yeah. get 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 cast their their rods into the water and see what they can yeah. hook
1: but like my introduction into punk even came through like MXPX and Tooth and Nail bands and stuff like that. Like, a, sure. I mean, again, like Green Day and you know the Offspring and you know that stuff that was making it on on the radio. Mm-hmm. Sure, I was aware of and, and knew. But like MXPX was like that first band where I was like, oh, when I heard them, I'm like, I got to go out and buy what I can, sort of thing. And then that was the gateway because you know, like as yeah. as is the case with you know any and every even you guys. I was looking through. Um, uh, well, I guess it would have been all in a dream, and um, oh, now I'm drawing a blank on the record that came out before all in a dream. Leave it all uh, behind.
0: Leave it all behind. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I was like, I was listening to them today and looking through the liner notes. I was like, oh, I love it because I, I kind of miss a little bit when bands would have you know you go through the liner notes and like all the the thank yous and they would recommend basically like all these different bands that they're thanking. and That's how you yeah. discover a lot of new music. And so when I was looking through. The liner notes on those records, I was like, "Oh, sweet! Like you've got a you know those those things still exist. Those sections of, you know, listen to these guys sort of thing." So with MXPX, that was like my introduction, where you know all of a sudden they're not only thanking other like Tooth and Nail Christian punk bands, but also then you know name dropping Blink One Eighty Two and Bad Religion and Face to Face. I'm like, who yeah. are these guys?
0: Like this right. is
1: kind of cool. So
0: they're, yeah, they're they're secular contemporaries. Yeah. Well, that was that was kind of like the like the the melting point of the two worlds of like Blake 182 on MTV, contemporary Mm. Christian music. There was a late night Christian show on a radio show on Fridays um, where I'm from. And yeah, that was kind of where they played the more subversive tooth and nail. I mean, subversive air quotes, Uh, (laughs) not not good podcasting. We're doing air quotes on (laughs) a zoom call, but, but yeah, like, so that's where I also heard MXPX as well. Um, And like shortly before that, I think it was like, 'Cause again, this was like ninety six, ninety-seven, mm-hmm. so ska was oh, yeah. king. So like hearing, hearing like the supertones yeah, and yeah. five iron frenzy and bands like that, yeah. um, that was that was a big gateway for me as well and a lot of yeah. my friends. But yeah. what's funny is like so I'm from um I'm from a part of Virginia that that has a huge Concentration of a a particular religious sect of um, like old order Mennonites slash like Amish type, so it's a huge concentration of of a a Christian population, and so it was it was like an A market for this Christian style like tooth and nail solid state. Thing. Yeah. So a lot of these tours would come through, but just for whatever reason, I wasn't able to, to go to many of the bigger shows that would come through. Like the Supertones, I remember the Supertones came through mm-hmm. and the, sh- the show sold out, and I was like, Johnny, come lately to everything. Yeah. So they, they, were, they were merciful enough to let me in to buy a CD, and then okay. I went home. Yeah. And then, like a few years later, there was this like Scott against racism tour that came through, yeah. which was that was like secular and non secular bands together, um, mm-hmm. and it was huge, like less than Jake and Fiber and Frenzy. But I was out of town for that, so I yeah. missed that. Oh, so man. all my friends were kind of like seeing this happen live, whereas I was kind of like kicking rocks. Like yeah. I was, like the timing just wasn't wasn't lining up. Yeah. But yeah. but musically speaking, I mean, just getting into it, maybe I don't know. I I think about like where that has led me to now, and it's like. I don't know. Maybe I could have seen those shows in this and something could have, I either could have got my fill at a mm-hmm. younger age and just be like, okay, this is what this is onto the next thing yeah. or whatever. I feel like just having the music and kind of being on the outside, looking in, it maybe kind of idealize it a little more or kind mm-hmm. of like build up this like mystique in my mind of what it was like. So then like mm-hmm. maybe a few months later, after my friends had already been familiarized with it and I built it up in my head so much, it kind of like, clicked they're like oh yeah. this is even like this is like affecting me at one and a half the power than my other friends um right i don't know it's it's, yeah. it's a theory but but yeah so that tooth and nail stuff mxpx they were they were super important um yeah. into kind of like getting my foot in the door I, I i consider them to be like the trojan horse for yeah. Yeah, the yeah. For, for like the non secular <laughs> stuff to come because it's something you can present. Like in, I went to my mom and it's like, oh mom, don't worry, this isn't Dookie. This is yeah. this fucking um uh, teenage politics or something yeah. by MXPX. Like it's totally clean. Actually, you know, it's like it's yeah. clean. Like I'm sure, like even a priest kind of like christened it beforehand. Yeah. And like <laughs> they so even sing t- about
1: Jesus on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. In a in a weird, strange yeah. way. That yeah. like.
1: Yeah, so it's th- funny because that that CD that was the first one I bought actually, Teenage Politics, mm-hmm. and um, that one. While obviously they they as like MXPX as a band have grown and changed considerably from that time, um, sure. You know, musically and lyrically. And there's some of the stuff that I look back on where I'm like, ah, it's a little like it's very high school, obviously, right? Like they were mm-hmm. legitimately. Yeah. I think they recorded that for, right before they graduated high school, maybe. Um, but. Mm-hmm. But it's so funny because it still holds such a place where I'm like, I can just like overlook some of that, the like cheese or whatever and go, man, this just takes me right back to, you know, when, when I was just discovering this whole world of music sort of thing. Right. And going, wait, yeah. there's more stuff out there like this. This is, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I will say this, even though your band is called Praise, I didn't necessarily <laughs> expect to go down this path uh, yeah. <laughs> with the podcast talking about uh, contemporary Christian music of the 90s. But um, being in a band called Praise has to have its challenges in, because uh, I know I have to get very specific when, like, so, okay, let, let me let me put it this way. So I heard about your band through, and I'm sure there were a number of people that did as well, that... Uh, uh, Jeremy Bohm of Touche Amore did, mm-hmm. um, I forget who it was for, but it was something like 11 hardcore bands you need to hear about or something like that. And so, um, you guys came across on that list. And so when I looked you guys up, I know I had to be very specific in trying to find you because if you just type praise in like Apple music or whatever, it brings up everything but you guys, right? Because yes. it brings up all sorts of different, you know. Christian worship music or whatever. Uh, so then definitely had to go, okay, their latest album, or no, All in a Dream wasn't out yet. So leave it all behind. So praise, leave it all behind. To, to like find you had to be very specific.
0: Um, yeah. But we're in uh, a uh, Nightmare for sure. We, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny. It's like I've been in I've been in a few monosyllabic bands yeah. in, in the past. Like uh, I was in a band called Clear. I was in a band called Free. I was in a band. Yeah. Oh, I, I filled in for a band called Give. So nice. it's like. <laughs> it's just like yeah, yeah it was a weird like it was a weird trend in like the early to mid 2010s yeah. yeah. that and yeah. it's like man looking back on it i wish we would have like spelled free with like 33 instead of two e's or something right. like that or like cl- clear with a q i don't know <laughs> there's been w-
1: a few bands as I was say that i've uh interviewed lately that i'm like they've got these names that are sorry i don't know if you're familiar with the band living room at all um, they're, uh, they're kind of like a shoegazy post-hardcore band. I want to say they're from New York, but anyway. It rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah. Like trying to, trying to find their stuff. Um, you, you Google living room and of course, yeah. like that's not going to get you anywhere. So you got to start getting specific. And then another, uh, artist I recently interviewed, uh, goes by the name of Graduation Speech. And so... Okay. Yeah, like googling graduation speech. <laughs> Even if you Google graduation speech band or music, all of your top results are still like, "Oh, I'm trying. I need to write a graduation speech. and I'm looking for you know bands to reference or music to use." You know, like ah, just yeah. help me out here, guys. But
0: or it's like 150 results for Berkeley College of Music. Yeah, graduation. right.
1: Yeah, exactly. So or some gets, kind of
0: conservatory. <laughs> it
1: gets a little tricky, um, yeah. but so yeah, let's get into actually well you mentioned a few bands there what do you do you know um, can you remember if there was a band or anything that kind of like made you want to pick up a guitar start playing start writing or did, did you grow up in a musical family was that something that was always on your radar
0: yeah I grew up in a in a very musical family I mean not only was was the, the radio playing all the time um, my dad is, is very musical my dad is, um, is a guitar player self taught I mean he, he was limited in his resources but he he exposed me to playing guitar at a very young age and showed me that it's accessible um i'm not trained really in any other Mm -hmm. instrument um i'm not training guitar either but just the limited kind of like tool set that he had he passed along to me and through a friend of his who came over one night he kind of showed me more than the three chords my dad knew so like Mm -hmm. he showed me Four more chords or so yeah.
2: but he, he
0: showed me how to he showed me how to finger a bar chord for the first yeah. time and that was like and then from there it was like friend my friend's older brother who was also playing guitar is like oh you're playing this bar chord let me show you what a power chord is yeah. and that op- that opened the door for everything musically that i've i've ever been involved in just yeah you know. yeah and, and i think i think even my dad's friend was like oh this bar chord basically you can play any song ever written if you know mm-hmm. how to do this one chord yeah. I was like, "Oh, okay." What? Yeah. I was like, "Oh, it's, it's that easy." Yeah. Um, and uh, trust me, it's not. But yeah. <laughs> as I as I learned very shortly after, but I understood what he was saying because yeah. I mean, based off of that, it's just an octave with the third. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, any kind of major major song in a major key, you can play it. So yeah. through that, um, and then as far as like s- super early influences. Um, a really big one for me was uh, Smashing Pumpkins, nice, and the album Melancholy yeah. and Sadness. Yeah, uh, I know we're going to be talking about it, three, three songs that influenced me. Um, mm-hmm. and I wanted to go with something off of that record, but there are three other ones that I thought were a little more pertinent yeah, yeah. to what we'll be talking about. But yeah, I just think that I think that record is flawless. Um, well, flawless. The highs are extremely high. There definitely yeah. are some low points. Yeah, but I feel like as a holistic listen it's a perfect record it takes Mm. you on such a such a journey like that even like whatever little filler songs there are just kind of weird throwaway songs they still work in the grand scheme of things so i think yeah um i think billy corgan was a huge early influence for me um i think all yeah just also stuff like when i was younger it's like kind of like basic level stuff i mean like Jimi hendrix Mm -hmm. phenomenal uh john Lennon, and paul mccartney just the pairing of the two they were super big for me as well uh my dad as in his limited skill set of the three chords that he knew he was able to play um this one john prine song called fish and whistle he played as a lullaby for me Mm -hmm. um and again more so myself my sister who again is deaf um Mm -hmm. she kind of she missed out on a lot of this but she we, we shared a room but he would Uh, He'd play it just so I could hear it to fall asleep. So like even just that one song by John Prine was super huge for me um, growing up to this day, as far as even just being somebody So through that, I would say my dad being an influence via playing John Prine songs um, or song um, that was super big for me. Because again, this is this was the direct influence of someone who taught me how to play guitar, showed me that I could do it, play guitar and sing at the same time. It was just like, oh, like this is so easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It seems so easy because my dad made it look so effortless as he does with everything that he does. So, yeah, I would say early influences, yeah, Hendrix, um, Corrigan, Stemper. Yeah. Casey Stemper, my dad.
1: (laughs) That's cool, man. That's awesome. Uh, You kind of briefly mentioned that you picked some songs that uh, also influenced you in other ways, more, I guess, closely to uh, the band that you're in now and what you're doing now. So why don't we uh, get into them and we'll listen to each song and then kind of talk about them a little bit, why you picked it, that kind of stuff, how it influenced you. Um, I think, I think I've got them. I mean, the first one that I'm going to play is definitely the oldest, but I say I think I've got them in order. Um, one of them had a weird, like multiple release date thing that I've stumbled upon, but anyway, uh, okay. so, so yeah, let's do this and we'll, we'll listen to them. And then we'll talk about the praise songs you picked as well. Um, awesome. But the first one, this is a neat one for me. Uh, the band is One Last Wish, and the song that you picked is uh, My Better Half.
2: I would engage the world at my life. I would engage the world. Just jealous fear and bitter and mischance that only aspires through the sun and the dead. I wouldn't Is that the task of love? Is that the challenge of love today? I went down through the sea. Don't care if you don't believe me. It talked to me about my life. It spoke with a voice of.
1: The first time I heard that song was on this this playlist that I that I got you to put together, and uh, immediately when when Gee starts singing, I'm like, "Yo, I know that voice!" Like I I had no idea who it was going in to listen to it, right? And I was like, Why is this voice so familiar to me?" And then you know, um, it's very obvious who it is once you kind of start paying attention. And it's funny because, you know, I've I've read a number of books that cover. Uh, you know, the DC scene in the mid 80s or, you know, obviously the minor threat stuff all the way up through, you know, Fugazi and and what and whatnot. But I don't know if I've seen this band mentioned at all. Obviously, they were kind of one of those ones that was there you blink and you miss it type thing. Um, so I'm sure their name gets mentioned in, in different books I've read just sort of in passing. But uh, what I guess... When when did you hear this band? And was it, you know, before or after, you know, like Rights of Spring, Fugazi, like all those bands that Guy was a part of? So
0: to have missed this band or it be a total blind spot is very valid. <laughs> like, yeah. like as you said, this fan this band they, they were around for a few months and actually their record was posthumously re- posthumously released yeah. by like a good decade plus i think the record i i just i did a little bit of research on it but i first heard it in the mid 2000s and i thought that's when the record finally came out like as like an archival release sure looks yeah. like it looks like it came out a little i guess a, a little earlier than that in 1999 mm-hmm. but even that it's like the record sat on the shelf for 13 years and it was just collecting dust um by that point I was already so by the time I heard it in 2006, I mean, I was already like a, a minor threat devotee. Right. I was already kind of dabbling into Embrace. Um, Rights of Springs. they were a little bit of a blind spot for me at the moment. That was something I wasn't able to really jump into until like just a, a little further on. Um, I don't know. I was, I was more team Embrace at that time in my life. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Something Something came out like the song amongst a collection of my friends. Um, Really took off. Um, it was like some some period of time. I don't know if you remember, like when MySpace was the thing, and you could visit somebody's profile and it was you could have a song on, yeah. on your profile. Yep. So that was like one of the first times I ever heard this song in particular, um, and it just it immediately caught me. It was like the perfect tempo, um, the perfect key, the perfect key or the the perfect chord changes. Um, just. Gee's voice is just so off kilter as I knew it to be. I, I was, that was also a time in my life where like I'd given Fugazi a shot way earlier on in my life, mm-hmm. and it never did anything for me. Yeah. Um I don't even want to say it didn't do anything for me. I, I just didn't I didn't like it. Um so hearing this through a totally fresh filter, again, I was a huge embrace head. Um, and come to find out that michael hampton was in this band who was also an embrace and that it's three fourths of Rights of spring so it's like this weird super group being formed and they're playing music that was just so not what i expected of that era of dc um it almost like it it almost it, it transcends like this one song in particular one last wish the, the record um which is posthumously titled 1986 i mean it's a, it's a great listen but as a lot of those mid 80s dc bands like if you want to call them revolution summer you can Mm -hmm. um kind of like just like the between between minor threatened fugazi era discord it's like every every record of like let's say the second tier bands so you have like three one last wish rain um they all have like good output good recorded output but they all three of those records have in common is like a super high watermark of a song, almost like a single. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the rest of the songs kind of like fill it out just to push this one song. So like three has the song song street. And I feel like my better half by one last wish is, is that example as well. It's, it transcends everything as I've gotten older. Like I hear, I hear thin Lizzy in it. I hear so much other stuff. Like, I don't even know. It, It just melds so much awesome Amazing stuff, not only just outside of the DC box, but even just it, I think it fully encapsulates that DC sound in that yeah. era of like yeah. Don's the entire production, Ian MacKay's touch, adding acoustic guitars to the song, super delayed guitar solos, harmonies. It's that song is everything, and and I think um, the way that I, I sum up "All in a Dream," even though we're not a carbon copy of "One Less Wish," I think what. What I would explain or how I would explain this record is we we did in twenty five minutes what One Last Wish was able to do in two minutes and fifty seconds, yeah. however long the song is. Because yeah. this song has the song has everything. It's such a tight package that it's right. just like yeah. it's mind blowing. Yeah, well, it was. it's interesting
1: because my my first exposure to your band was uh Leave It All Behind. So the album prior to the all in a dream, which came out this year. Uh, and my, my kind of initial thought was I can hear a lot of that DC sound in it mixed with other elements as well. Like I wasn't like, oh, it just, you know, when I shared it with a friend, um, I wasn't like, oh, it just sounds like, you know, another quote unquote, another DC band by mm-hmm. any means. Um, because I think I actually described it as like, I think I said, it's kind of like, It reminds me of Turnstile without being quite as weird. (laughs) And, Mm. uh, you know, it's kind of got like uh, a more like chilled out Ian Mackay vocal delivery. Like there's like there's all these different elements that were coming in. Uh, And then just as I dive more into listening to the last two records specifically, because we'll get talking about um, some of your earlier stuff, too. uh, But it it gives me those vibes of... um, the one that jumps out first actually for me is Dag Nasty. Like if you want to like just kind of a direct comparison to a DC band, as it were like that one kind of is one that jumps forward. But I think Dag Nasty also did something, you know, unique in that scene that helped them stand out from, you know, not necessarily the rest, but a lot of the bands. So uh, I think they're kind of one of those like jumping off points as it were, if that makes sense. But yeah, definitely. um, Yeah. So what, when this when this song came on and i heard Gee's voice i was like okay well this yeah this this seems about right it's a a very kind of like left field pick because like i said you know blink and you miss this band i guess and i had no idea who they were even though again i'm sure i've read their name they had to have come up just in like you know someone talking about the formation the eventual formation of fugazi right and like everything that that they were as a band but uh yeah, no, it's it's pretty great, and um, I'm I'm glad you shared it because I love, if there's one kind of thing I love sort of learning and diving into or learning more about is kind of like those earlier scenes and bands that came out of them and sometimes those lesser-known bands that still, you know, kind of got that diamond in the rough, that gem sort of feel to them. So, uh, yeah, no, I thought this was pretty great. Um, yeah. The next song that you, you brought was from a record that I had to do a little bit of Googling because according to Apple Music, it says it was released in 2006, but I do believe it was actually released in the year 2000, Uh, and when I was listening to it, I was like, this sounds like it's released in the year 2000, Um, and uh, the band is Mock Orange, and the song is She Runs the Ride. like to say when recording these episodes that my favorite thing, or one of my favorite things is that when I'm done, like when we're done here, uh, having something to listen to tonight, and uh, I always pick something from you know an episode. That's the one that, 100%, that album is what I'm going to put on when we're done here and listen to tonight, because uh, that's, I mean, so I'd, I'd never heard of that band before, and when I look them up a little bit, I'm like, oh, like, people... I don't know how well known they were, but they did like a 20th anniversary vinyl release on this that got like a pretty good treatment. Um, and then I looked a little closer and went, oh, it's it's produced by Mark Trombino, which would explain why, you know, to me, it's got that like late 90s, early 2000s, just like emo post-hardcore sound, like down to a T. It's so, it's so good, especially the last, I'd say third of that song. Um, when it kind of quiets down and the guitar is playing the clean riff and then it all comes back in with sort of the layered vocals and stuff it's just it's it's very good <laughs> so um tell me a little bit about that band introduce me to them man tell me what i need to know about them and why why it is that you i mean i, I can probably guess why you love them but sort of why you uh picked them
0: <laughs> so besides the obvious of that just being as you kind of bulleted like I mean, everything about it is just a phenomenal song. The production on it is incredible. You actually, you you, you kind of, you jumped into two of the talking points that I was going to make. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one being Mark Trombino, um, being the producer on this record. Uh, and yeah, as, as I've already alluded to in the past in our conversation, like, Blink-182, Dude Ranch was huge for me, which he did. Yeah. Um, as was Jimmy Eat World's Clarity. So both Trombino productions, both... I consider of their respective genres to be, if not the apex, definitely high echelon. Yeah. Um, So, and also referencing the last third of the song. um, (laughs) So a little story time. Uh, The year is like 2002. We'll say it's 2002. Uh, I'm in the car with my mom. We're driving somewhere. And where I'm from, the town is called Harrisonburg, Virginia. There's a very prominent, or at the time, there's a super prominent, college radio station for the College of James Madison University WXJM. they were known for just like having incredible programming of anything alternative indie you name it just different yeah. genres um, so we we're driving somewhere it was my we we're listening to the radio and just turn on turn on the radio turn on the car and it's the last I'll say third uh, or if it's in fifth the last two-fifths of the song starts and it kind of starts in that little valley where Mm -hmm. it's quiet and then it just crescendos and like it crescendos of of just the sparse guitar playing the layer guitar playing then it picks up a little bit and then the two-part vocal harmony kicks in and then it explodes with still the harmony but then the screaming over top of it yeah it was like the first time i'd ever really heard anything like that um at that point in my life and it just felt so exhilarating to me like it, it was such a visceral reaction to a song and i was like oh my god this is like this is in my mind when i think of music like uh, one of my favorite pieces of all time is like beethoven's ode to joy that was like mm-hmm. the first piece of music i ever heard that actually got me feeling in a way of like music is more than just an art it actually can kind of like alter alter you as a person, alter you as a, as a, as a living being, um, in the moment. And this song did that to me too, or at least what I heard of that song. And I was just, I was like, Oh my God, like who was that? Like, what what was that? What was, what did I just hear? And I must've <laughs> caught. And again, as a college radio station, the programmers and the DJs, they're not trained to professional standards where they'll either, where, where they'll introduce and, Kind of conclude a song with you know what was played in the last block, so right. they never referenced who it is. And I, I unfortunately just missed the introduction of the song. Um, so it's like, okay, well, we're going to get to where we're going, or, or wherever it was. I don't even know where we were going. So it's like, and this was also 2002, pre cell phone, yeah. pre Shazam. I couldn't find out who it was in the moment. So like, all right, I got to remember to call as soon as I get to a phone. I'm going to call the radio station and ask them what they played. By the time i got to a phone the show or the program had switched from host to host yeah. so i missed whoever it was that had the show previous it was now into the next show so i was like oh god uh i don't i don't know who to call or like i don't, I don't know who to ask yeah um and then i tried listening to that same show and they also had like it was a rotating weekly schedule uh, you know i was i was a young teenager at that time so i wasn't really i didn't think of being like oh well, if i call it this time next week chances are i'll be able to get a hold of that person right, maybe yeah. ask them to go notes." i just didn't think of that um in the moment so fast forward nine years
1: oh man and
0: <laughs> i'm on tour um i'm on tour with one of my old bands mindset who actually is comprised uh, as of this moment of three fifths of praise okay um so our bassist, praise and mindsets bassist Chris was driving. We were super early morning drive. Um, I was on a bench seat in a van. My girlfriend at the time was joining us, so we were kind of like sleeping twilight morning, like in each other's arms, just dead asleep. And all of a sudden I just I hear the two-part vocal harmony kick in, like when it first comes in, for the first third of the song, which I'd never heard before. Because again, like I, I didn't hear it the first time I heard the song, I only mm-hmm. heard the last two fifths or whatever. And like, and I just opened, I was like, What is <laughs> I was like, Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then the song does what it does it, go- it goes to the valley and then shoots off. And I it's. Like, <laughs> I just told the story, we just praised it a weekend this past weekend. Um, and I was telling the story to um, a fit, our fill in drummer, mm-hmm. and uh, it I felt like, and to tie it back into. To our Christianity talk, <laughs> like like Lazarus from the crypt, I shot up and screamed, and like <laughs> our, our, our bassist was like, he thought something was wrong, like we like we ran into something. He's like, "What's going on?" And I was like, "You have no idea." And when I, like I, I tell people, like not only do I, not only does that song now directly influence me as a songwriter and kind of how I listen for music, just the influence of that song indirectly impacting me because i didn't know like the search to find that song was un- was equally as important as the impact it, the direct impact it has on me i mean mm-hmm. that song alone got me into finding out about so many other bands to this day that i adore solely because i was trying to find that one song because i knew it existed right. yeah but it's like i just try to do all of my primordial detective work of being like okay so 2002 what records were released in and around then that were of this certain style. And like, so, I mean, like through that, like there's a similar song by, um, or does similar things by like Hot Rod Circuit on their album, mm-hmm. um, on their album. Uh, goodness, it's, it's escaping me. Sorry about Tomorrow. Like it does, it does something right, similar yeah. to that. Yeah. And then from there, it's like Hot Rod Circuit's one of my favorite bands right. of all time now, but yeah. they didn't write the song um same with uh like knapsack like knapsack again right yeah even like knapsack jealous sound everything that blake sheehan has done it's like i adore blake sheehan but yeah they still didn't write the song it wasn't
1: that song yeah it
0: wasn't the song and i mean like i would go through i would scour like any compilation and fortunately this was also when i was doing all this digging it was towards the, the latter half of the 2000s so like the blog spot era was super big right so i was able to just download, just. download dozens if not hundreds of albums just yeah, yeah. scout compilations albums live sets just just head first and inadvertently i got into like all the all the <laughs> canonical emo indie yeah. um post hardcore stuff of that era which was super it was super popular when i was younger again like it was it was concurrent with my my experience of growing up as a high schooler like it was happening mm. around me um, through college radio and these bands would come play in my town um as well um but yeah it just took that one moment driving from driving to atlanta in 2011 so it shot me out who was who played it like who put it on it was our bassist uh chris so it was it it was i believe if i remember it was our bassist chris driving and our other guitar player mindset a guy named mike were sitting uh was sitting shotgun and they were both they were they're both familiar with mock orange. Yeah. And at the, upon my reaction, they were just like, dude, what's the big deal? It's just mock orange. Yeah. Like they, and I was like, you have no idea. You have yeah. no idea. Um, Chris is, Chris is like, a, he's, he's from Pennsylvania and he had a similar experience, like growing up in like a semi rural area. He grew outside of, he grew outside of Harrisburg, um, PA uh, or mm-hmm. Mechanicsburg. Um, so we had a little more of a foot into like, a little bit more of a metropolitan area, but his older brother kind of got him exposed to not only punk and hardcore, but also like the indie emo stuff that was also concurrent with um yeah. just our experiences growing up. So yeah. Um that's so th- that's also kind of in our DNA as a band, like yeah, between yeah. Chris, our drummer Daniel and I. We were all three in mindset. Um we we're all yeah, just super into this this parallel scene with melodic hardcore and punk like this this emo indie stuff and again like with mark trombino as an influence um yeah it's all kind of just it's in our it's in our shared experience that's it's that's an amazing story especially because like
1: now something like that couldn't really happen you know what i mean like because you mentioned this is a time before you know everyone's got a cell phone in their pocket on them at all times right like and you had to you know, and when you got to a phone, call the radio station, blah, blah, blah. Because not even necessarily like in that moment using the cell phone to phone, uh, you know, the radio station or using it to Shazam. But even just now, if you remembered, you know, maybe two lines, you could just Google that, right? And be like, chances are it might pop up for you. But that's, uh, I love that. That's an incredible story. That's fantastic. I had something a little bit similar, not nearly as long, um, but with the song Genie by... uh good riddance i'd heard it like i was in my cousin's car driving around and it came on like some mixtapes she had made and i and i liked it but didn't like think anything to ask her at that time about it and then all of a sudden you know like a few days later i have this melody stuck in my head and it's the melody from genie and it's like a couple years later um i see this band cover fertile fields by good riddance which then leads me to buying ballads from the revolution and all of a sudden this song comes on you know a few songs in I'm like oh shit like this is the song a song yeah i was yeah. like that's amazing but it didn't take near it didn't take you know nine plus years of uh <laughs> like of searching because I didn't really go looking for it either I just remember like liking this song and you know I didn't talk to my cousins very often they lived a little ways away so i just happened to hear it one time when we were visiting and you know it never came up again until finally i bought the album because a cover like a band covered one of the songs i was like oh my god like this is the song i was like listening to and looking for for the longest time but so that's pretty rad that uh, you eventually got that closure and uh were able to um you know listen listen and i'm hoping the rest of the album you know kind of uh holds up as well because that that song is fantastic i
0: understand now why you picked it oh it's it's a great album and uh yeah i i wholeheartedly believe that like my music fandom died that day because i felt hmm. like i i felt like i completed music like i <laughs> my life to that point was was done it's like okay yeah, cool yeah. now yeah. i can just now i don't have the fervor anymore to, to keep on to digging. the next <laughs> thing now yeah yeah and yeah. <laughs> yeah, now i can get into like i don't know
1: Maybe I'll start reading. Yeah, or engulfing. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's get into then the next song that you brought, uh, which is by the band Count Me Out. And the song that you picked is Against the World. love a good you know hardcore song that gets straight to the point <laughs> what was that one one minute and seven seconds long, not wasting any time um so count me out, tell me a little bit about them and uh what kind of
0: got you got you into them, similar to um the one last wish song within the minute seven they they kind of like conquer hardcore <laughs> right, in that right. and that's short that little that little bombastic spurt they do everything that i look for in a hardcore song um it's only there's just not a fast part in it it's a mid-paced song but i mean everything that they do is just it's just incredible and so count me out they're a band from virginia they were around from 97 until 2000 2003 um so like the last the latter half of their existence was kind of my coming of age into music into hardcore straight edge hardcore um also being a virginia boy myself they were albeit not from the same town they're they're from richmond where i currently live um but uh so growing up somewhat close to them it was like this is a band that is actually out touring and doing stuff like um they had had records out on indecision as you referenced good riddance like kind of like one of my gateway bands getting into hardcore or gateway labels, I should say was Indecision Records, mm. which I believe Good Goodridden's had like at least a split on, on Indecision or they were affiliated right. with, with Indecision somehow. So like seeing bands like Count Me Out and Time Flies with whom they shared members and a little more prominently Strike Anywhere, Garth from Count Me Out was in Strike Anywhere. Like those, that triumvirate of bands kind of going out and doing stuff as like a new wave of, Virginia punk hardcore um, kind of falling in the wake of like a veil and four walls falling it's like this is happening in my real time and these are bands that are living and breathing that I can actually go see and enjoy right, yeah, yeah. Um, and just something about count me out I don't I don't know I think it was just the aggression they often get compared to their to their um their their contemporary band time flies and like in a strange way like they'll and this was definitely some old old school thinking um where like count me out was like the modernized chain of strength we'll say like if we're speaking revelation terms okay. whereas just straightforward abrasive aggressive and time flies was like the modern gorilla biscuits right. a lot more tuneful um and a little more quirky with their songwriting and i think just the the direct straight to the point nature of count me out kind of is what drew me in um and from then on i mean just going to see them as a kid many i I saw them many times and just every time it was like this is this is what i aspire to be as uh, as i'm coming into my own um you know like i i just want to i want to do what count me out does i think that what they do is like they're they're making a name for themselves they're making a name for virginia they're straight edge um it can be done they were the first man i saw that was like this can actually be done like touring can be done releasing records on a record label across the country like it can be done even eventually going international going to Europe it's like it can be done um so yeah i was fortunate enough to um to catch them a bunch of times growing up i caught their last show um in 2003 and that was also kind of lining up with around the time that my first band was getting off the ground kind of in like that that like prehistoric stage of like demoing, like mm-hmm. like the demo stage, but not quite play a first show yet. That right. happened between the time or in the interim of, of the demo and our first show was when Cat Meow broke up. So it was mm. like now like this band isn't around anymore. So like I, I wanna fill this void. And the bands that were around as much as I love them, they they weren't quite satiating that itch for me. So it's like, well this right. is now kind of like I guess it's up to me to like to write this music that I that I want to play or that I want to hear I got to do it myself. So that was a that was yeah. a huge drive to get me off yeah. of or get get me out of the uh, the practice space and actually start doing stuff and yeah playing shows and touring and kind of just seeing the world and more than was just that the state of Virginia had for me.
1: You mentioned uh Revelation Records a couple minutes ago uh which you guys are now on Revelation Records was that a label that you know, like in your, in your teenage years or whenever that you were fully invested in, or was it one that was just kind of, um, around for you? Like, so for myself, like, you know, labels like Fat Records and Epitaph and stuff like that, were like, they're always there, right? Like, and I knew a bunch of bands on those labels, but I was definitely more into other labels, right? Like, so that, that I was like, loyal to I guess would be the word vagrant records being one of them you mentioned hot rod circuit a little bit ago too but um so like was was revelation records a label that you were kind of like had that loyalty for you where you saw the logo you saw like the star the yellow star on it or whatever and you're like I'm in I'm buying this no matter if I've heard this band before or not um or were they just kind of one that you you knew about and were aware of obviously a number of bands on it but they were just another label at the time
0: well it's funny it's like so Revelation, much like Discord, um, many people c- would consider them or could consider them maybe a legacy label because yeah. they rose to prominence well before I was getting into music. And a lot of people kind of align their preferred output with the more early stuff. Um, and i would definitely say that Revelation, when I by the time I was getting into... Um, into the label it was definitely the early canonical releases like the, like rev 1 through 10 and even mm. now like maybe up up through like t- rev, like rev 20 25 or so it's like those are to many people considered all-time classics of the genre right. yeah. um and then revelation it's funny that there's another podcast that's doing the um <laughs> they're doing the revelation chronology like the discography from start to finish yeah yeah which Coincidentally, it's hosted by the singer of Count Me Out, Jason oh, Mazzola. Nice. <laughs> um, so, like, they're going through all these all these releases that, like, and they're kind of explaining as they go through episode by episode, um, kind of like what, what the label was doing at the time as well, um, and kind of what they were experiencing. So, like, late '80s was just releasing straight edge hardcore. That was their that was their bread and butter. Mm-hmm. And then, as many straight edge people do, they either grew out of it. They'll look outside the bubble of it and just see like, well, what is like associated, um, t- like tangential to the scene, but like something that makes sense to put on the label. And they're taking a lot more chances in like the '90s um, and even into the early 2000s when I kind of was became cognizant of the label. So I would say like by the time I got into the label, what they were doing as a modern label or as a relevant label, it wasn't as it wasn't as gripping to me. There were definitely some. There, there were other labels that were doing better. What, it, like for the style of music that I like, like say Bridge yeah. Nine Records, sure, or yeah. um, or even in, like Bridge Nine or Indecision, like those are labels that are really focusing on my bread and butter style of hardcore in that moment. But Revelation was definitely something that when I was coming of age and learning more about the scene at large, that was the. I mean, that that is the, the height of. To to me at that time in my life, like everything that the label did for a window was was perfect. It was infallible. Hmm. So it was just such an influential label to me as points of reference and like source source material. And even throughout, I mean, even up until and so they and with with every label, like I feel like a lot of them under, especially ones that have been around for so long, they'll have certain kind of renaissances and just revitalizations of um whether if it's new hiring or just new people being put into different positions where they can kind of guide the creative ship yeah. um so like there was a time when like my friend bob was running revelation in the mid-2000s it was signing some great bands like um like richmond like uh, down to nothing a band from richmond virginia straight edge hardcore band they were the they were like the top dog straight edge band Mm -hmm. In that era, Rev got them, and it kind of birthed this, like, renaissance for the label, and I think that that definitely helped out. And even nowadays, like, I mean, outside of signing praise, I mean, I think the Speedway record is awesome. Yes. The b B Well record is awesome as well. Like, so they kind of have these, like, and I'm not even going to say that they really fell off since, like, I kind of got on board in the early 2000s they've they've had like certain bands achieve a little more than others but Mm -hmm. they've definitely maintained a level of quality yeah so i think i just i admire them for everything that they have done and even now that 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 i'm listening to this podcast and it's like there's so many blind spots that i had for the label and i'll go back and listen to these records and it's like oh wow there actually is like there are some really good Things that I just overlooked for whatever reason—I don't know, just just my naivete or just my ignorance—that I'm finally able to like objectively sit back and be like, "Oh yeah, like I understand the context of what this label is doing." Um, which again, it's 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 easy for a label that's been around for so long to just accumulate so much history and yeah, yeah. so much output that it's like there's, you're going to find something there. So yeah, Rev Rev, historically and present, I look to and I i am am ai am a I'm a I'm a Rev super fan.
1: What uh, what's the name of that podcast? I'm going to subscribe to it as we
0: speak. It's called Where <laughs> It Went. Where it so, went. Yeah, Where It Went. It's also it's hosted by our friend Greg, um, and another fellow that we haven't met named Javier. So Greg, Javier, and Jason um, oh, are there. are doing the arduous task of, well, so our record is 196. <laughs> They're um,
1: on. As of recording, they're on episode 58 right now, so it looks like they've probably got some time to go.
0: I was going to (laughs) say, they're into the 50s, so they will probably be talking about our record. Um... By the time I'm celebrating my 40th birthday, so we, got five, we, we got 40 years or five years, I should years. say, sorry, sorry, 40 years. Yeah, I was just born years. today. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome.
1: <laughs> now the only, the only problem is it's like, now I feel like if I'm going to jump in on this, I'm going to want to go back to the beginning and I've got almost 60 episodes uh, to get caught up on. So I better get at it. But um, Hey man, there's always
0: 1.5 speed. 1. Yeah, 5 yeah there you
1: go. I can't, man, I can't do that. I know people who do it and I'm just like, Part of me is like, what's what's the point? You know, I'm like, I can't, I don't know. I just need to. I think too, like when I listen to podcasts, uh, I have to be, I like most often I'll listen to them is like I'm driving, or mm-hmm. you know, just doing some kind of like menial task that doesn't take a lot of thinking. But if I'm just sitting there, like sitting around the house, I've got some free time. Like I can't, I can sit there and like tune in and listen to an album, let's say. Um, but I can't sit there and just listen to a podcast for whatever reason, because I was be like my mind will just start wandering. And I get the irony of hosting a podcast now for a number of years and uh fully uh, uh, <laughs> I'm sure people tune me out all the time, but it is what it is, man. So um let's get into let's get into the songs that you brought um from your band now, Praise, okay. uh that we've been kind of weaving in and out of a little bit here and there with some of the background to the band but uh, the first record that you picked or the first song that you picked is uh the title track yeah yeah title track off your 2014 record lights went out um this one i actually had to go and is it is it on like spotify apple music and stuff like that because i couldn't find it but i didn't know if it was just like hiding somewhere i know it's on Bandcamp. i picked it up off
0: there but yeah, it should be on streaming. I use Spotify and yeah. um I searched it. I know as as you said, searching praise alone. Yeah. Don't yeah. get the best results. But yeah, <laughs> I, I I did a search and it popped up. Although I, I did notice that I had to type it out a little more. Like right. so praise lights went out. Then it, it popped up maybe by the time I got to uh. Wint. Or so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I went and bought it. I bought
1: it on Bandcamp on, uh, on like, what, Bandcamp Friday or whatever it just happened to be, where or whatever they call it, where they, maybe they don't call it Bandcamp Friday because they don't take any of the money. I don't know, whatever. Um, <laughs> I went and yeah. bought it. It was out on, uh, you guys were initially signed uh, up until this record to React Records, is that right? Correct, yeah. Yeah, so was that the first label that you guys signed to and, like, up until Revelation Records, the only thing that you guys had released any music on?
0: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. React our React um that was our home for ever since the beginning. I am not an original member of Praise, so mm. I'm kind of speaking as an outsider, but yeah, yeah um yeah. React hosted Praise ever so graciously for there you go. for almost uh, 10 years or so. Yeah.
1: Amazing. So as we mentioned, this is uh, the song Lights Went Out. i it hard. in that song um especially that bit where kind of it i guess the the one guitar pans hard right and then on the drums though instead of just like keeping the straight beat going he's playing rim shots which is like (laughs) kind of a bit of a surprise like i don't when i when it came up i was like wait a second like that feels a little bit out of place for you know kind of more of a straightforward hardcore song which i would say it's fair to say that at this time of praise's career or or life whatever you want to call it um definitely a little more in the straight up kind of hardcore world opposed to where you are now still a lot of those influences i'd say come through now but you've broadened the horizons a little bit you've broadened the soundscape a little bit um but yeah the the rim shots there and then the cowbell i think there's a, a quick little like i think it was a cowbell because it, it was pretty great um yeah. but yeah tell me a little bit about this song and what made you pick it as uh, as one of your your praise songs
0: yeah um all the auxiliary percussion choices that's that's definitely our our drummer daniel um he loves incorporating the the off-kilter things every once yeah. in a while um so not only is daniel in in praise but he also drums in turnstile and angel dust oh. so um in those two bands he is way more liberal with with the experimental kind of like Timbales and mm-hmm. percussion stuff. So that's that's very much so in his DNA and his DNA. Sorry. So yeah, I think uh help it, having him incorporate those styles into this praise song, um, which is as you said, it's a very straightforward, cut and dry hardcore song. Um it kind of it, it does act as like a foreshadowing for what we would do on then to Fall like Leave It All Behind and to our new record with just some slight experimentation mm-hmm. while still keeping our foot in definitely deep seated in uh dc hardcore roots yeah yeah um yeah so that song it's it's straightforward i think that's a perfect culmination of what praise's sound was uh or the synthesis of what the sound was at that point like the fast part is is so minor threat out of step um era mm-hmm. it just that tempo and the riff and even like the breakdown the the palm eating part that you mentioned we pay heavy homage it's funny um the through line for all three of these songs is going to be um producers that we've worked with and right. um, that's a uh, it's a big homage to dc hardcore band battery which brian mcturnan um
1: you're you jumping yeah we we're gonna get there but yeah <laughs> yep i was gonna so, bring that up in a bit so
0: yeah so so that's a, definitely a battery part that we uh well i should say more so ken olden the guitar player of battery yeah. who's also a producer but super super influenced by battery um minor threat we wear that those influences so so prevalent on our sleeves and i yeah, think yeah. that's uh that's a big that's a uh, a great example of just where we were at that at that moment in time
1: so everything that you just said right there it makes <laughs> i was like kind of being um i don't, I don't know how to describe it, but when i said earlier that i when i described your sound to a friend of mine i said it's kind of like turnstile but not as weird so everything you just told me about the drums uh is a hundred percent accurate. I feel with mm-hmm. that. And then when I compared vocally, uh, f- um, I think I said, I forget the exact words I said, but I think maybe I said like a less or, or on the newer stuff, I said a tone down Ian, mm-hmm. um, which, I mean, you're talking obviously about your minor threat influences and, uh, the, the direct connection that you guys have to turn style is pretty fitting too. But, um, yeah, that, that, it, it was interesting because when uh, – I didn't know this record existed because I'm pretty sure on Apple Music, it's at least maybe – I don't know if it's different Apple Music in the States. But if I search up – even if I search up Praise Lights Went Out, I don't think it comes up. It might now because I have it in my library. Oh, man. But, you might but be
0: yeah, like, geo-tagged or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Like it
1: it does – let's see if I go to albums. Maybe, maybe if I uh, – no, like nothing, nothing comes up. So anyway, I, I only say that because when you picked this song, I was like, "Wait, what is this? Like, where is this? Where does this exist?" Yeah. And uh, when I went and listened to it, I was like, "Oh, this record is way more straight up hardcore than what I had been, you know, familiarizing myself with uh, with your guys' sound." Now, I'm o- I've only been familiar with your band for literally a couple of months now. Um, sure, I think at the time when I first first heard uh your music you had one single out for all in a dream so i would you know like grabbed that and then immediately was jumping in on uh on leave it all behind and listening to that because immediately i was just kind of like this is this is so cool this sound because one thing i've i've grown to appreciate about hardcore in general like obviously not every band does this but the fact that there's this freedom and maybe this is more so over time, this freedom has come to exist because obviously we've heard the stories about how, you know, when Ian and Guy started doing their other, you know, what what was dubbed emotional hardcore then eventually, you know, post-hardcore sort of stuff was because of the the rigidity in the scene of you have to be doing this, this, and this to be a hardcore band, right? Like, song's gonna be fast, you're gonna be doing this, gotta be doing that, whatever. Now that that's kind of like, those doors have been blown off, what I love about hardcore is those bands that are uh, you know not afraid to kind of like stretch themselves out a little bit turnstile is an is a a great example just obviously with their their record um from last year that was just like i at the same time like i absolutely love that record but at the same time i get people who are like i can't do it man there's just so much weird stuff going i'm like yeah that's fine that's what i that's what i love about it right like it, it gets it gets a little different so to hear your guys' music which you know the newer stuff we'll get into in a minute here just kind of like not getting stuck in the straight up hardcore all the time as is, is just something i really appreciate but then also going back and hearing this record i was like oh man now i now i've got the record where i'm like i just want to hear something cranked way up and someone yelling at me for my commute to work right like so i'm like okay this band's got that now too they've got that covered if i want to sing along more they've got that cover too so you're got a quite diverse library in uh, just a few albums that you've uh, released over the years but uh, yeah man this this song was a nice surprise for me having you know not even know not even having not even known that it existed um i was i was pretty pumped but it does beg the question why you didn't pick you didn't end up picking a song off of leave it all behind which i bummed me a little bit
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh well I think I wanted to pick a song. So the two, spoiler alert, um, the two other songs we'll talk about are off the new record. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I wanted to pick a point where um, the band kind of reached a point before I joined the band. So I wasn't on this this new record, All in Dreams, actually the first one that I've recorded on. Okay. Um, but with Lights Went Out, that was kind of like my... That was the era before my joining the band, so it's like everything right. up to that point. It was the synthesis, and as you've as we've talked about here, like it, even with like um, just some of the production choices, while still keeping a foot in hardcore. Mm-hmm. I think that it's it's a good leaping off point into what is to come from us. Right. So I th- and I'm not dismissing I'm not dismissing um, leave it all behind at all. It's just I had to pick one older song and <laughs> I wanted to go with something that was like between our first two EPs and the more recent records. So that's kind of like just the median point between, yeah. I guess, all five releases. So that's released yeah. number three. So yeah, that, was, that was really the choice. I mean, I, I love...
1: Wait, you're telling me there's
0: two more records beyond this? Before this record, we have a seven-inch titled okay. Growing, Changing Healing. Okay. It's a four, four-song EP, and then a two-song single... Gotcha. Kind okay, of is in between those two. That's that's called two songs. Yeah. yeah. Um, so
1: for for yeah. a second there, I thought you were saying there were two other like kind of more full full towards full length albums, I suppose. Because like how many tracks are on? Lights went out. Does it actually? I think there's ten on that one, right? But I believe it's ten. Yeah. Yeah. But then like um, leave it all behind and all in a dream, kind of like play in this world of kind of being in between eps and full lengths in my mind is like because all in a dream i know has nine songs on it and uh leave it all behind i think is is it nine two or maybe eight whatever anyway doesn't matter um let's get into some of these uh the newer songs that you picked that are off the new record all in a dream okay. and we will start with the song uh, return to life little <laughs> I'm just going to tie this back to one last wish and how you said they did you, you guys accomplished in 25 minutes on this record what they did in, you know, 2 minutes. Um I heard a nice little thin lizzy lick in there. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> we'll call it a thin lizzy <laughs> lick cuz that's who you referenced earlier, but um and is so you play guitar and sing backup in the band, is that right?
0: I do. Um on this track, however, we actually enlisted the help on the backups from our friend Grady who sings for the band Anxious. Oh um,
1: damn that okay okay we're going to pause for a second because okay. uh right now na- uh, and I don't actually mean pause we're going to keep recording but um right now Your Record All in a Dream and Little Greenhouse by Anxious are l- like probably my two most listened to records that came out this year. They're both Oh man that's great. They're both so good. So I love that they're connected. Then um, another kind of neat little connection is that Chris Teddy actually, who so who I believe recorded that record or produced yeah. that record anyway, uh-huh. he was on From the World is a Beautiful Place. He was on the show earlier in the year and we were talking about that record and how excited he was about it and stuff. And then uh, in a week from now, I don't know when it'll come out, but uh, like I'm recording with Brian McTurnant, so it's like we're just like connecting all these records. Um, oh my gosh, that's so, so cool! Yeah, so that's that's pretty rad. Uh, okay, so tell me because I was going to ask like that's my favorite part of the song is when the can't stop, can't hold, can't stay line comes in. So I was yeah. going to ask if it was you, but in fact, it is not you. Um, but it's still uh, such such a great song. So tell me a little bit about why you picked this one as as one of the off the new
0: record. Yeah. Um for a few reasons uh this is the first song that i actually had a hand in helping put together and write with the band so i'd been in the band for a little bit prior to recording this song and as um as i'm I'm sure you put together we're not the most prolific of bands we have five five entries in our discogs over uh probably 13 years i think that's how long the band's been so we don't um we don't put out a lot of stuff so between leave it all behind and on a dream there was an opportunity for us to record a song for a compilation on triple b records my friend sam mm-hmm. runs that label and he asked us if we wanted to be on it and we had just toured europe with our friends fury and our friends insist and anthony was kind of like on the entire tour he, he always had a guitar out and he's kind of playing the main riff um the chorus riff, I guess you'd say the song the um the lower three string ring out stuff, mm-hmm. so he would do that he would play that, and then he had another riff in mind, so when we got back, this was early two thousand and seventeen we got back, we compiled that song into a working draft, i would say
2: yeah
0: and in in the interim of all of that, um our singer Andy had actually connected with Brian McTurnan, um mm-hmm. and was just talking with him becoming friends they'd get out they they'd go out to eat whatever um eat lunch with each other and it came up that we were looking to record a song and brian was pretty inactive with just doing any studio activity at that point yeah but i guess just he and Eddie hit it off so much he's like oh yeah sure like i'd love to like help you record that song um so why don't we like set up a time and we can get together and maybe if you want we can like sit down and just go over the song see if you know show me what you have and i can either like give you some pointers on just how to tidy it up a little bit or just trim some fat here and there or add some yeah, parts yeah. here and there so he gave us like some pre-production pointers and tips on how to go into write into composing the song and finalizing it and then ultimately recording it um so we met up with them one day to do a version of return to life for the compilation and we just had such a blast with brian um as I think I've alluded to, um, I guess I didn't bring it up in the Count Me Out discussion, but like, so not only was like Count Me Out such a pivotal band for me, um, but he did, Brian did most everything Count Me Out recorded, including the two LPs. So through that, that was my introduction to Brian's production work. And Brian was such a, such a prevalent figure in developing my taste in music. Like every, it was almost like kind of like with Mark Trombino. It's like everything that, brian touched was just gold to me it's like i whether if it was like the engineering the tones he was getting out of out of the instrumentations the performances it was just top quality so like to be able to actually sit and record with this guy and then not only that but like to actually hit it off as friends with like this guy that has shaped my musical taste for the majority of my life it was just like so surreal um so that was yeah so that was the first time that we that we met up with brian and that led to years of friendship now and he helped us with the new record the the Mm -hmm. proper record doing the same kind of roles with certain songs that needed tweaking here and there and he helped us on vocal performances a lot like just with melodies um phrasing and things of that nature so that was really like that was a two-pronged entry for myself not only just getting into the songwriting mode with praise but then actually meeting with brian and working with him and creating this amazing relationship, Man. and on top of all that, to tie in, so the anxious connection. Like I've I've known Grady for. It's funny because he's so young. It's like I want to say like, feels like I've known him for decades, but <laughs> he would he would have been literally ten uh, right. if it was a decade ago. But yeah, yeah I've I've, no, I've known him for for years, and anxious is a band that I've always believed in. Um, when it seemed like a lot of people didn't starting mm. out. Um, but they, just, they had something about him I, Grady is just a he's a great kid now a great, a great person yeah. uh, his band is, is achieving amazing things that like, I never saw possible but it doesn't matter what I think because I'm old and right. what, <laughs> what he's doing is young and vibrant and yeah. electric so we really wanted to incorporate um, him into the record and also to tie in Brian, Brian actually does a guest vocal spot on another song on our yeah. record which was intentional. We, we wanted to do a, um, to kind of create this through line of generations. And that, that may come off like a, a little, a little contrived and corny, but it's true. I mean, we, we love Grady just as much. We love Brian and vice yeah, versa. So that's cool. And like, we, we are equally as influenced by anxious and what Grady does. Um, whether if it was through his other bands, like one step closer when he was in that band, his band, last straw, um, just as much as brian has influenced myself and Uh, and the rest in the band i I love this like you're you're talking about through lines and
1: this is kind of hilarious to me because so i'll message brian every now and then on instagram so i actually had him on the show well it was when like the weight and the cost came out the be well record Mm -hmm. um he came on and we talked about that plus some you know different albums that he'd worked on over the years and whatnot but I'll, so I'll message him every now and then. He's he's so great at just like getting back at some of the stupidest things, right? So there's one day I was in uh, I was in a record store and I came across um, for the rejected by the rejected on vinyl mm-hmm. like the battery record, and I I was like I just took a picture holding it and I sent him you know a message that should I you know like should I buy and he's like dude it's got a pretty rad book inside of it which if you haven't seen that vinyl pressing it is insane like I think oh, yeah. it, I think it was like just like a normal priced record you know, 20, 25 bucks, whatever. And I was like, I thought it felt heavy and you open it up and it's just got this glossy book in it that is, it, anyways, that's not why I'm telling you this story. But uh one of the other things that I messaged him one day is I, I sent him a message and said, said, uh, I think it's maybe the closing track on the One Step Closer record that they put out last year. Last year. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, hey, is that you? Like guest vocals on it? He said, no, but that's a great record. I was like, it really is. And then um, with your record when it came out, before I got it on vinyl to actually look in the notes, I was listening. I was like, "Is that you on the on the praise record?" Thinking he was going to say no again, and he's like, "Yeah, it is." I was like, "Oh, that's that's awesome." So it's funny, you know, just this connection that you've now drawn this line to one step closer, um, and then also which which I thought he for a moment i was like oh is he on that record too but it ended up not being him i don't know who it was on that record i was never able to to look it up and find it out but um it may just be someone in the band anyway
0: uh that was so that's great but um i think on the one step closer record that is uh it's a dual performance by ryan their singer and the singer of the band magnitude okay whose name russell um right and if listeners and yourself if you haven't heard magnitude they yeah. are without a doubt my favorite straight edge hardcore band in 2022 so that's rad yeah I mean, their record to whatever to whatever fateful end came out in 2020 and yeah. it's a high contender it was like it was the winner of album of the year for me that year and it's maintaining pretty high for yeah for, for the 2020s as a, a high watermark so yeah they're Magnitude's a great band and One Step Closer they're awesome and yeah to, to presume that Brian had something to do with that makes sense because it's so in his wheelhouse of like the battery through line just the melodic hardcore sound yeah, yeah. they're, they're yeah. a great band
1: yeah for sure um, let's get into the last song that you brought that you picked again off the record All in a Dream and uh, the song is Life Unknown
2: just wanna feel a little bit less
1: love That it's such a nice song to listen to, and then at the end, it just like dissolves into a like chaos <laughs> <laughs> uh, with just that finish. Um, and uh, the guitar work on that song definitely kind of jumps out, and maybe more so on that song than the re- like that. That being the one where you know I kind of hear the most guitar stuff going on because there's a number of riffs, and there's actually one that was right around. I want to say it was just before about the two-minute mark, and it's kind of this higher riff that reminds me of... um, I couldn't like pinpoint the song just in listening to it now, but just like this sort of 90s alternative sound. um, Oh, gosh, I wish I could remember who it was, but there was was definitely a song, and I was like, had it kept going, I'm like, I think I could pinpoint what this reminds me of uh, specifically. But yeah, that song, as I was listening to it, I was like, how... How is it that hardcore bands or a hardcore band in this situation can write such a nice-sounding song? Like, from start to finish, it's so nice-sounding, <laughs> if that makes sense. It's probably a weird thing to say, but um, it just it comes together like such a nice song.
0: <laughs> I think this song is the through line of kind of everything we've talked about, um, yeah. just with the the Mock Orange song, mm-hmm. um, the One Last Wish song and also just through the context of age like we're all at this point we're all in our 30s i'm in my yeah. my mid 30s and also what you alluded to in the past of just hardcore nowadays the codification of it has kind of like it's dissipated a bit or like it's it's stranglehold on on form has kind of lessened and you you can incorporate more things and you can express yourself a little more freely. Like like with glow on the turnstile record, I think again, like whether people like it or not, it's pretty undeniable that that's an expression of some creative people. Um, So I think, although our records, I think that we must record around the same time. So we weren't directly influenced by turnstile. I think it's just in the, in the ether in, in the zeitgeist of hardcore circuit 2020 that like hey just do what you think feels good or what you yeah. think sounds what you think sounds good um and because really like i think just with technology being what it is now people can be exposed to so many different things that it's almost going to be impossible to not have certain elements creep in so like Mm -hmm. yeah the the 90s riff like i I know for for certain when we were writing that song um it's super super heavy influence from like creation records and like some of the early brit pop stuff um like stone roses and blur yeah like that was that really crept in and that was kind of what like the looping the guitar looping um that which is the common kind of the common thread in the song at the beginning and the end and the drum loops at the end which do dissolve kind of into like the chaos yeah. um that was all kind of like well like these bands did that back in the day um and it's cool like it's just a cool fat like kind of a cool effect it's kind of trancey, like it in and, and the ending of life unknown leads into our last song on the record, which is a cover by who's could do. So it's just like, well, what's a way that we can kind of like get to that point again, kind of like with mock orange, like the ever, the ever crescendo of what I heard there. It's like, how can we get build it up to this point where then it just kind of releases into the last song. So that was all those things are an influence. And then to, to tie all this back together, um, as I said, or as we talked about Mock Orange with the Trombino touch, like Jimmy Eat World Clarity, super important record for me and the rest of the band. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of production choices on that song in particular that were were homages to Trombino and what Jimmy Eat World were doing then, just like with some of the looping and some of the, uh, yeah, the the repetitive parts of, um, I guess, like, the many examples on that record we try to just that was our little nod to that as well so yeah, yeah. so that song's like it's a bit jimmy Eat world it's a bit 90s rock it's a bit stone roses it's just and again like we're all older we've been exposed to so much stuff that just all of our shared experiences hardcore or non it's kind of just it comes out and it's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be a natural thing at this point
1: and maybe you, you mentioned the jimmy Eat world thing there and maybe that's like the Because, like, Clarity is definitely one of, for myself as well, like, one of my probably all time favorite records. Mm -hmm. And more so, even than I think some of the other, like, I might listen to some other Jimmy World records more often, Mm -hmm. uh, if that makes sense, but like, just everything that's going on on clarity feels so nice and maybe and maybe that's that is a similar vibe that i'm getting in that song where you know i said how could it feel just like so nice it's such a nice song you know like there's all the different parts working together um and the build i definitely as i was listening to it i did have a thought about like mock orange especially towards the end before you know the chaos kind of starts coming as those drums start looping and sort of uh like, I guess, over-modulating or whatever, you know, just getting yeah. kind of dirty there. Because um, you got layered vocals going on and just kind of this nice build towards it, and it all comes together so well. Um, So, I mean, maybe that is, like, what I'm trying to describe. I'm like, what is it about the song? I like the Jimmy World reference. That's pretty great. And you mentioned, like, Husker Du, the cover, to end the record. Is that something you guys... Because you also ended um, Leave It All Behind with a cover... And is that something that you guys like intentionally set out to do? Is it a thing where you're like, it'd be all right to have maybe one more song on here? Like, what kind of goes into that process of a deciding to do a cover to close the record, and then b picking that cover?
0: I think it's it's along the lines of like we were talking about earlier with um, liner notes in a record. Like that is it's such an it was so important for for people of our of our era and our generation. Um, it may be lost on younger people. It, I mean, I, well, I say that, but it's like, I, I'll open new records and still see a thanks list yeah. from bands. Like, yeah. let's say anxious. Like, kids anxious as an age will, will do that still. So it's, yeah. it's something to the tradition. And I feel like something else that's equally as important is just bands covering other bands as influences. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just keeps... It keeps certain traditions alive. It will expose people to new music. I know for candidly speaking, I wasn't that familiar with that who's could do song until our singer Andy proposed it, it who's a super he's a who's Do head, I would say. He's a he's yeah. a super fan. So I think it's just a um, it's a song that he thought we could do well. It's a um it's also it's a Grant Hart song, which is it's a little, I guess not as well represented as most Bob Mould songs. Right. So Andy has an affinity for Grant Hart. I know he passed away between the time that we um, recorded and the time we released the record. Or maybe he even passed away before that. But I think it was just to pay tribute to Grant Hart. Um, I guess we were just mostly, mostly worried about, since that song was on a major label, as opposed to the Egg Hunt cover on leave right. all behind being on discord discord yeah we kind of just like i think we may have just emailed again this was before my time in the band but i think we may have just emailed discord to be like yeah is this cool and they were like yeah sure and the, <laughs> in the very the very benevolence that is discord um, yeah yeah but with but with the who's grew song it was like well can we do this um which is when rev stepped in revelation stepped in and we're like, just yeah it's fine we'll, we'll take care of like whatever that publishing little caveat is yeah like, we'll We'll make sure that it's taken care of just so you guys can can nice. do it and include it on the record. So
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 That's awesome. Is it so like is that something you would look, you think, to do even going forward in the future, like kind of including I like it. It's something that's um you know, because I think covers in the whole punk and hardcore world for a period there especially kind of got like locked into covering pop songs right like was a big thing which is fine too like that's totally cool but but what i really like about this like you said is it kind of like is a way of introducing people to new bands that have influenced you i mean similarly obviously what we're we're doing here with this episode is like finding out those influences so to see them that way because when i heard that song when i was listening to the record i was like a this doesn't sound like a praise song. Like it clearly either that or you were like, I was I was thinking because it didn't immediately jump to me that it was Hoosker Du, right? Uh, so I was like, either it's a cover or they like wrote a song that was specifically supposed to be just like anthemic, super easy to sing along to, like let's just go sort of thing, right? Like and sure. uh, and it, and it, but it felt like so much more like a just a straightforward rock song, I suppose you could say. And then so when I looked. I don't know if I realized, I'm trying to think. No, I think I Googled before getting the record in the mail. Uh, I think I Googled and found out that it was Husker Du. And I was like, okay, yeah, that makes a little sense. Now that I listen to it, like I can, I can hear that. Because they're a band that, like I do, like I've got Zen Arcade. I don't know what record that song comes off of, but like I don't listen to Husker Du a ton, right? Like to be like, to immediately go, hey, that's Husker du. Um, But uh, yeah, it is. I like I I like it. I think it's a great way to kind of close a record. Um, it's kind of fun, a little bit different. I think than what a lot of people are doing these days. I suppose you could say, but uh,
0: yeah, yeah. No, I think we're a band. We we celebrate. I mean, I think hardcore punk, any subversive rock, is the coolest shit on the planet. So any mm-hmm. any opportunity we get to celebrate it, whether it be Egg Hunt or Husker Du, I mean, I, I'm all for it. Yeah. So yeah i think um and similarly i i really like it when bands reserve the last song on their records for kind of like the foreshadowing for what will come from a band sure. yeah so i think i also chose life unknown um and i guess you could also incorporate um keep hanging on into this as well the the cover yeah just that like this is kind of where we are. Um, a lot of bands historically will, will the last song they put on the record will be the last song they write for the record. So it's like mm-hmm. the freshest song, um, which I think that, that actually was the case for our record. But um, it's just kind of how that worked out that one of the the biggest sonic departures happened to be the one of the later songs. But right. yeah, so I I think what we want, what we would like to do as a band, because um, it still has some gas in the tank, that for whatever the next record is we think that that song is a good representation of like, this is kind of praise up to 2022. Well, we record it in 2020. So yeah, praise until now is this culmination of, of, of music. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah, And it kind of opens the door for whatever comes next. Like we could go that route. We could do just another total hardcore record, like just a right. fast hardcore yeah. record. Could be anything, but I mean, it's just to have the option and to kind of just... Really, kind of just stretch out a little bit because uh, yeah. you know we've all, like I said, we we've all been doing this for a while. Um, we're all in our thirties. We have so much shared music musicality amongst us, not only ability wise, but just what we like to listen to. Um, that we want to kind of just let it show. Um, that we, you know, we're influenced by so much stuff, and that we we know we. We're kind of at a point where we know what we're doing on our instruments well enough where yeah. we can fake yeah, yeah. we can fake it pretty well that we that we're, we're pretty good at it so yeah just to take the opportunity to um to incorporate all all those kind of elements and also a we introduced on that on that song and on a couple songs on that record um backups are shared between myself and our friend elise who goes by mm. baby dinks and um she's a friend of ours that, that i've known for over 10 years going on, 15 years, and she has the most incredible voice. And she's like, Gosh, like, I just want you to start a band. Like, I, I we need you to start a band. So it's like, <laughs> Well, if you're not going to start a band, then we're going to. She's actually, yeah. and she's she's Andy's roommate. So, like, so even there, there's, there's, there's a pressure on her now. She's like, Well, you live with the guy who's in the band. We're yeah. going to like coerce you into doing this. And, you're going to sing I mean, on this record. Yeah. You're going to yeah. sing yeah. on this record, like it or not. But I mean, yeah. she, she did so well that we were doing our our vocals on the same day and like, Sometimes I'd have to go follow her in the vocal booth. And it's just like, <laughs> oh my god, like, she's she's making me look like such a chump. So <laughs> yeah, just just the incorporation of like not only just not only just music, but all these connections and friends that we've made. Yeah. We just want to celebrate it all. So I think that's that's really what this song is. It's just um, yeah, it's just uh, we wanted to end with like a a, a part almost like like a, like a joyful party like atmosphere um, that'll leave you smiling as you I love know about it. your day after finishing the
1: record I love it man well thanks for taking the time to hang out with me tonight and to uh, share some of the songs that influenced you and some of uh, you know, the songs that are either your favorites or you think best represent your band That was it was awesome and it was a ton of fun to get to chat for a bit yeah David this was a blast man. yeah thanks for having me